Welcome, everyone. Today, we're joined by Helen Cook, who's an award-winning product design director who centers user experiences and has a passion for teaching others to do the same. Helen, thank you for joining us today. Um, I wanted to start off to say, first of all, you seem to be everywhere, right? Uh, you were creative lead at Nortel. You have run workshops, venture at Garage 48. Um, you've co-founded Made by Agency, which actually designed the Estonian startup database. So tell me how you found yourself here. Take us through the designing your journey to the design field. Alrighty. First of all, thanks for having me. It's a, truly a pleasure to be here and spread the word. Uh, right. So um, usually when somebody asks me this question, I need to go back uh, when I was two years old, right? Because um, when I was two, I actually grabbed onto a pencil and started drawing. Usually I drew people, mm -hmm. they look messed up. There's like eight legs, one person, the eyes are like all over the place. So clearly my parents saw, you know, like there's something to it, right? right. So the obvious choice was to put me in art school. So. Um, uh, rewinding a little bit into the future, so uh, yes, I did the preschool for arts, I did like whole my high school, I, uh, I learned arts, and then I went on learning more about classical art, so painting, sculpting, anything, right? And uh, then I hit a breaking point, actually, which I'm going to come back later on to, is that I wanted to be an architect, like in my soul, I wanted to be an architect. But it was a hot summer like uh, we have currently. Mm -hmm. And out of the blue, I decided graphic design. I'm going to go for graphic design. And I found myself in a, um, a teeny tiny design agency that's currently operating also here in Estonia. And uh, I got really experimental. So I decided to uh, focus on like variety of things like 3D, uh, coding a little bit, graphic design, book designs, all of those things. And many, many, many years, I did um, graphics. So I designed books, I designed calendars, business cards, you name it. But all of a sudden, I found myself that um, uh, I need something more. And uh, I decided to focus on like small freelance projects. Uh, and I needed space where to work, right? Just a table, like just a teeny tiny table where somebody would have me. And luckily enough, I found myself uh, being the first resident of Grash 48. And with that, um, uh, Grash 48, the, the, the founders of Grash 48 decided to take me everywhere with them to mentor, to participate in the events. Like, I mean, like everywhere we went to, like Belarus, uh, Georgia, uh, Kyrgyzstan, like all those places wow. in Europe and around. And uh, lucky enough with Grash 48, uh, they also offered me a challenge in Uganda uh, where I was establishing the startup ecosystem from the angle of designs. And with the startups, you obviously get the feels of like UX and UI, like a really close one. And I really love this experience because it's kind of like a boot camp, you know, like mm -hmm. because developers and marketeers and like other people might ask, why this blue? Like, why are you choosing this blue? Or why is this like this, like this constant ask for a why? And this uh, obviously like ventured me into the uh, field of uh, service design. So trying to understand better, you know, like, so we can actually map people, we can do stakeholder mapping, we can do this and that and da 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 da. And uh, as I grew stronger over the years, then um, I always had this yes attitude. So if somebody gives me like an interesting project, then my first gut direction is like, yes, let's do it. Like, <laughs> like having this energy to do anything. 
and obviously picking up uh, and saying yes to myself. So I found uh, really interesting, uh, for example, like I really wanted to go to the States. So I ventured into New York and California, where I stayed a little bit and, uh, and uh, gathered some knowledge there, came back to Estonia. And then uh, Nortel approached me saying, you know, like, yeah, like you did a lecture for Nortel people, you know, like, do you want to kind of like establish the UI UX disciplines in Nortel as well? And so I decided to say, yes, <laughs> I'm going to take up that challenge. And uh, I did that challenge for five years. It took me also to live in Abu Dhabi for a year and work with projects there. And uh, after five years, you know, like I found myself that this challenge I can consider level completed. So now I'm asking myself, where is the next challenge to say yes to? So that's my um, long story short in a, in, a, in, a, in a couple of sentences, if you will. That, uh, that definitely makes sense. I, I like this idea that the shift from uh, the graphic design part of your career to uh, kind of the UX UI experience uh, it seems really steady in a way that, it, yes, it was you saying yes to a challenge, but at the same time, uh, it wasn't like this big chunk. It was just small habits that you were building and the skill set that, that um, you were building out to, to get to that uh, point. And uh, I know that you said your approach uh, has been to, to say yes. Is there any other decision-making that you do around your career and how you, how you see yourself moving forward, what your vision is going into the future? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So uh, three things. So first of all, I kind of mentioned that um, uh, before as well, that this constant ask of why, right? If anything doesn't make sense, then there's like, you cannot do that, right? So this constantly asking yourself, like, if I can, uh, if I can answer this question, then it makes sense. And then the, the second criteria that uh, also goes with like any kind of like design field is belief, right? So because like others can sense if you don't believe in something, right? So, so uh, whatever like we choose, can, my, including myself, you know, I really need to like, people need to see the passion in my eyes, right? And, uh, and uh, that's, that's basically the things, you know, like the, the why needs to be answered and the belief needs to be there, which brings the passion within, it, within itself. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, this is something that a lot of people struggle with anytime they're starting something, whether it's design related or not, is um, you, you don't feel confident, uh, but it's kind of the saying, like, fake it till you make it. Mm -hmm. You have to believe that you can do it. And then uh, anyway, you learn, like you said, that that brings in the question of, of why. If you haven't figured out the why yet, you just try something else. So I think that's a really nice way to approach things. And it seems to have served you very well. Um, and uh, in terms of decision making when you design, uh, do you follow the same process or do you have something else that you work by? Yeah, so um, I was thinking about this a little bit and I think like the, the number one thing that uh, I would like to kind of like bring out is also um, because I've had the kind of luxury or not the luxury but the uh, the, uh, like one thing I've done next to Nortal and uh, outside in the communities, train the youth, right? Like kind of also give, duplicate myself in a sense, right? And so, uh, so um, usually what I tell to people is that, yes, if you're part of my team, you know, like I can be the creative lead, 
But if you are working on a project, then I cannot tell you what's right because you have done the research. You need to make, make, make the decision, right? So, so uh, what, I, what I would say to decision-making is like we shouldn't look for other people's confirmation. We should take it as a feedback, as reflection. But each and every one of us should have the belief and then make the decision. And this literally applies to everything. So even if I'm pitching, let's say, a project, then I need to believe in it so much that I have um, gotten, the, uh, gotten enough data to make a decision and I will take the full responsibility that this will get us to our end goals that we have. Yeah, absolutely. It, um, it made me think a little bit of um, the startup community, which you're a part of, uh, and, and this idea that um, a lot of startups and founders say that really when they get investment, that they get an investment in themselves, right? Because they believe in the idea. They, they kind of make investors or other people, people they're bringing on board, um, really believe in them mm -hmm. even if even if the idea feels a little distant still to others as long as as long as you carry that conviction uh and you're absolutely right bringing that to all parts of your life is is really uh really important yeah like just just to expand on top of this right like this is why uh, for me you know like when uh, we're talking about projects then i always start with people so this team they by the way they did that project right and this is what makes sense by the end of the day, like because it correlates really well what UX and service design is about. It's human-centric everything, right? Yeah. So if you take the human away and make things abstract, before uh, we talk about labels, then it's nonsense. It's it's nothing, you know, like in a, in, in its like really core essence. Yeah. Um, how do you approach getting to know people, whether it's uh, in your professional career or for for a project? Right. There's this sense you you have to understand the end user, who is this really for? Do you have certain ways that you like to go about that? Yeah, so, so this is definitely, uh, the key word here is empathy. Empathy to anything, right? So um, uh, when you go to like new projects or you need to find people, you, you still need to understand, you know, like why kind of like, what's their reasoning, right? So, so as long as you can create empathy, name it be like, let's talk about dogs or let's talk about, I don't know, whatever, you know. So this is, this is basically how you kind of like get um, tapped into projects and how you can get end users on board. Like we cannot see each other with, with the same like flat view that we think about ourselves, let's put it this way. Right, absolutely. Uh, di different experiences and, and we all have different backgrounds. Speaking to that, is there a project that you've worked on in the past that um, really stretched your empathy muscle, let, let's say. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So uh, uh, it's actually a story that I also tell in uh, some of my lectures. So um, I had this really nice experience working with the ASD.ee team. And uh, since ASD.ee is this portal where all the uh, people living in Estonia can kind of like log in and like use the portal, then it's literally like, uh, and one of the golden rules that I have is like, if I'm working with a project and then users, I cannot know the person who I'm like having a conversation with, right? Like we need to be neutral towards right. each other. But how do you approach a person like who you don't know, right? Especially here in Estonia, it might be difficult because everyone's like, so what's your agenda? What do you actually want from me, you know? And I found this really cool trick that um, 
I own two dogs, mm -hmm. and I started to work in uh, cafeterias, like in Caffeine, in uh, Reval Cafe, wherever. And people started to approach me because people are cute talks. Can I like make a picture? I'm like, yes. Can I have <laughs> a few questions, you know? So it's like, and this is like the constant hunt for me, you know, like how to, uh, how to like bring this empathy more and more, you know, like what, what tools do I have at my disposal to approach people I don't know, actually. Right. Have you found that experience to be different uh, across cultures since you did get to work in so many different places? For sure. So uh, what I like to say is like, for example, when I was at, um, uh, when I was in New York and California, I would say it's rather easy, you know, like, so like in New York, it was literally, you know, like wear something cool and people approach you like nice shoes or nice yep. pants, you know, like that was super easy, you know. Same goes for California because like I can go to Starbucks and people are like, yeah, I know you for 10 years, although we just met like a couple of seconds ago. Yep. But um, in, uh, in Abu Dhabi, I did learn also, uh, it took me some time, but it's also the small things, right? So, um, so it, might find, find fun uh, it might sound funky, but for example, one thing that I found was that when I needed to approach ladies, then I started to do nail art mm -hmm. and these uh, drawings on the hand. And because like when I had these, then the ladies would approach like, oh, cool, nice, la, 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 like cool thing. And then I could like, I had my way in, right? right. And also uh, one thing that we have to understand about the, uh, the culture there is that it's a gift-giving culture. So uh, instead of like, uh, like even if uh, somebody get, introduces you to somebody, the first thing you should do is give them a gift. Uh, it'd be chocolate, it'd be like so small, small statue or something, that's your way in. So basically wow. that creates like also empathy. How did you learn that? Just from trial and error or did somebody tip you? Just trial and error, ask people around, you know, notice things, observe constantly. Because if you're working in the field where I'm working constantly, it's like your mind never switches off, right? You like you step in a room, you know, your first cut direction is like scan everything and then you kind of like like go with it. Find somebody, zone in on them, and yes. then and then use them. That's really really neat. It's uh, it's definitely like one thing I've just discussed with my team as well. Like and one common thread that we found uh, about each other is that we're all people watchers. Like we sit in a cafeteria and we just watch the world go by. I I, I can relate to that. I think uh, one of my favorite things anywhere, but especially traveling, is like finding a cool spot and just seeing what people are doing. So I completely understand that. Um. So you had lots of successes. Uh, is there any failure that really stands out and maybe what you learned from it? For sure. Uh, what comes to failure, what I, uh, what I like to say is that um, um, usually I don't talk about like major failures, mm -hmm. which I, of course I do have a lot of them I do, but, uh, but um, it's the small fa failures every day, you know, like uh, it's, uh, it's noticing your own self, like what, how can I be better tomorrow than I was today, right? So uh, from week to week, I can give these failures, you know. But I would say, like, if I would put something out there, uh, which really closely ties together with the empathy that I talked about, the most common place where we fail, including myself, is basic communication. So either we are not being truthful with ourselves or with each other. So I'm speaking with somebody, but I'm not actually saying out loud what I want or it's hiding information, or it's, uh, it's, uh, it's not cl giving a clear ask, and then we're disappointed in each other, like, how come you didn't give me this, you know, like, and then I build up something in my head, you know. So, so one thing where I'm trying to be better constantly is basic communication. I, I think uh, absolutely that I would agree with that. Uh, 
I would imagine that that plays a role in how you interact with people, especially when it comes to getting um, feedback from potential users, right? Uh, like you said, most of us are either unconsciously not very good at communicating uh, or there might be you know, some things that people don't want to share that, you, that you're asking for. How do you work around that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, there's a bunch of things there, and this is why I love theater. I love going to musicals and stuff, because I think one part of the communication that we tend to forget is the body language. It's one thing is words that we use, but the other thing is, you know, like people actually reveal a lot of information about themselves with gestures, mm-hmm. with uh, how we... Um, uh, kind of how we look at something, uh, like what kinds of like wiggles do we do with our bodies, right? So every time like when I'm focusing on a project, then half of my brain is actually looking at the body language. Like, you know, like if they're actually bored, although they don't say it out that they're bored, you know, or they're excited, but they don't say out loud that they're excited. So, so there's like a lot of tricks to it. And in theater, you can actually l- like learn, you know, because they need to act right. constantly, right? And so it's a, it's 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 definitely like one one thing that we tend to forget, you know, and including ourselves again, you know, like like uh, because if I'm if I have crossed hands, you know, like I I might send out the vibe to somebody, like and the unconsciousness they feel that I'm not into the conversation, let's say. Right. Absolutely. So so you're training yourself, but you're getting to enjoy theater. So I really like that approach. Um, I think. Uh, uh, the other thing that uh, that made me think of is how did right if we're talking about body language and that being part of how you learn about people and what they want uh how did you deal with that during the pandemic when everything was on a screen you're not seeing everything there's a loss of this rhythm of when you talk when you don't talk right all the memes of oh no no you go ahead so there's a reason for that how did you deal with that in, in your work yeah so um so it was definitely a challenge as, as i believe for everybody right but um uh two things that i did you know like two hacks that i managed to managed to find so one thing to create the atmosphere of you know like i'm here to have like this uh, talk with you is that um uh every time i had conversations i deliberately sat uh, in front of a background that was super vivid. So I had a bunch of paintings in the background, like flowers, books and stuff. And you cannot believe but how, so how many people come in and like, I like that painting or I like this or that. that, that. So it's, the, it's the, 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 the small thing that leads you into this conversation before like heavily kind of like doing things, right? Yeah. And, uh, and sometimes also like using, uh, for example, like it's not an accident that I bring the, my dog into the camera again, you know, like, because if I can sense that this, like, uh, this kind of like brings the atmosphere, I do it. And, uh, and one um, shock thing that I discovered with the lectures uh, in Zoom calls, you know, like when nobody to- turns on their cameras, it's a trick that I learned from my sister's uh, teachers, is that please don't make me feel as I'm walking in a um, uh, graveyard, you know, like mm-hmm. with all those like black boxes with the initials on Names. top, you know, oh my God, this worked like like so well, you know, automatically half of the people with cameras on. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really, that's really neat. And I, I like that uh, you, the way you learned it, right? It's just from somebody else that's not even like directly told to you. I think that's such a great way to, to absorb information and inform ourselves. And um, kind of like you said earlier, this idea of when you're starting a project and you take the lead, so you have to absorb all the information that you need to, to use it. Uh, do you have any 
resources that you really lean on in terms of whether it's leading a project or taking on a new, new role that you like to reference? Yeah, I have a bunch of resources that I, uh, that I, that I have, like uh, when it comes to like basic internet and Google, right? But uh, I would say that the, 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 the most valuable resource at our disposal is the one that we forget the most, is actually the network, right? So uh, we shouldn't hesitate reaching out in uh, basic tools like Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, but make it personal. Like, you know, like, again, like, great groups of people where people, people can, like, have this, like, uh, conversation, you know, like, uh, ask people out, you know, like, just to tap into the uh, research and resources, you know. But, uh, but yeah, I definitely have my go-to, like, uh, inspirational tools, you know, like, where I, where I gather, like, source of inspiration, and then I start to narrow down and pull threads. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you, right, that uh, we tend to have a lot of untapped information by way of other people uh, i think that's that's a really good way to look at it yeah in terms of uh in terms of this uh, it, is there any specific people that have helped you along the way to get you to where you are in your career now for sure and um it's uh, so basically uh, it's also one thing that i suggest to everybody is uh, i call it the collective brain right so uh, so how you can amplify your own brain right and i have my own personal grid of i call them advisors slash mentors and i think this is something that um, each and everyone forgets you know like we uh, uh like when you when juniors usually think about it right because they know that they're at the starting point and they need to get mentors but at one point, the more you grow as a specialist, you kind of like forget this basic yeah. thing, right? Let, let's say you're working as a lead or something, right? But you are not the smartest in the room. That's, yeah. a, that's a fact, right? So, so, uh, so I'm really heavily leaning on my grid of, uh, of uh, advisors. And I think like most of the credit, like where I'm currently at, I need to give like uh, kudos to them for sure. And I don't forget it. Like, like basically every now and then when we meet, you know, like I'm giving them constant feedback, you know, that this helped to get there and this and this and that. I think that that's really a, a great way to do it. Any chance you're giving them gifts like uh, from your experience? Uh, it depends. Yes. Again, it's the empathy thing, right? Yeah. It's, it depends like because gift doesn't need to be like a physical thing, right. right? The gift can be also a service. It can be words. It can be whatever, right? So, so it's the thinking outside of the box, you know. Yeah. Uh, do you think of your like lectures and, and helping younger people in their processes as your way of mentoring also? For sure, for sure. So, so this is the thing that um, uh, I have found for myself is that the style, how I also give lectures and speeches, I call it rather inspirational. So I never go heavily into like a topic, but rather, you know, like uh, with this uh, short time that I've been usually given, like if it's 25 minutes or two hours, I try to squeeze in like uh, great stories and mm -hmm. something that inspires and give, you know, like guidance, also resources where to kind of expand this area, like if it inspires. And uh, I'm really glad to see like, like a lot of people actually taking off, you know, with this, you know, and like years later, like hearing like some of the impact that it has brought. I think that's great. Putting the spark and then letting everybody else figure out where it takes them. I think that's awesome. Um, and then I think my last question would be, is there anything that I didn't ask that you would want to share? 
Well, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would need to think a little bit about it. But yeah, like I think the last thing that I would like to share that I forgot, like uh, which I mentioned early on, was that um, the uh, the uh, and I just two days ago I had a very sparkling uh, sparking uh, discussion with another design lead in Estonia about it. This uh, I had two paths, right? Graphic design and architecture. Mm-hmm. But architecture has never left me over these years. So I've been really into um, uh, mostly interior design, but also like I just um, designed my own house in wow. South of Estonia. And then I understood something that he said two days ago to me is that when you're thinking in a form of architecture, you think in space. And space relates to like if we're talking about like user interface, so UX, it also relates into the field. So basically, uh, you can make better decisions. So one last thought I would like to put out there is that don't get stuck just with you know, like UX, UI, I need to Google UX, mm-hmm. UI. Venture to other fields. We should venture to other fields to make our core stronger, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that comparison uh, because it really is. We live in, in space. We just happen to think of things really digitally lately. But really, the way you interact with everything mm-hmm. around you is super important. Yeah, there, but it's also it? with projects, right? Like imagine building a portal for, I don't know, airport, let's say. Mm-hmm. And then usual thing that we do is look at competition. But why? Uh-huh. If you can also look at the real estate or car, man- car manufacturers, right? And that inspires the topic that you actually have at hand. That's even cooler. Really awesome. Yeah drawing inspiration from everywhere. Well, thank you. I've definitely drawn a lot of inspiration from you. I thank you for joining us. It has been really awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me.